Hello and welcome to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk about all things transportation, anything that gets you from here to there. I'm the traffic anchor and the transportation reporter for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. And if you just heard a uh, clanking sound, it was me dropping my pen. Uh, If you want to be on the show, then you can always give me a call on the listener hotline. I had a couple of calls uh, this past week. Uh, Nothing really worth uh, airing here on the old program. But that number is 303-832-0217, and you can call that anytime. And of course, all my contact links are in the description of this show. Uh, If you ask most people, if they were being honest, they would tell you they're not really a fan of riding on public transportation, especially on the city bus. I've had to do it. I'm not a fan, but sometimes it's all you have. There are people, though, with no other option because they can't either afford a car, they're not able to drive a car, there might even be some who, for whatever reason, say that public transportation is their only option to get around. Well, what if public transportation was a better service? Would you ride it then? Trent Griffin-Broff, the CEO and founder of Tech Valley Shuttle, agrees with you, saying public transportation is failing. But he says he has an idea about how private options can help and he joins me now to talk more about it. Trent, thanks for being here on the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this. All right, Trent. Before we get into right. what you think are the problems and the solutions with public transportation, I want to talk about you for a minute. Because talk about growing up in Albany and how is Albany right now as far as getting around? So growing up in Albany, especially being someone who moved from New York City, uh, I, I at a young age, I got to experience with like a real robust transportation system looks like. And then moving to upstate New York, Albany, uh, where all we have are our public buses, um, it was like night and day to go from buses, taxis, and, and train systems just to buses and taxis. Um, I do think, though, in the capital region here, we do have one of the best uh, busing systems. Um, they're, they're, they're really good in, in tune with tech. Um, but one good thing is they also partner with private vendors um, because the even the CEO of that company has expressed to me he understands the future of public transportation um, is to partner with private transportation um, because it is a need to do it effectively. Yeah, and, and we'll talk more about that and, and get more specific about that in just a minute. You didn't grow up a business leader. In, in fact, I, you had, as I was reading, a pretty rough go of it in your late teens and early 20s, right? Agreed. Yeah, I, I made some terrible decisions that, you know, cost me that cost me my freedom. Um, and, you know, so uh, because of that, um, I was sentenced to a four to 12 year prison sentence. I uh, served about three and a half years in state penitentiary. Um, the blessing in that was I was able to take some college courses while I was incarcerated, um, as well as it allowed me to hit my rock bottom and put me in a situation where I said I never wanted to return. And I was willing to do anything I could in the, in the proper way now to assure that that never happens again. There are still some folks that are in, incarcerated and, and, and in jail and in the system, and they come out and, and they don't do what you did. They, they get back in. You, you uh, jumped out of jail, and, and it's not like every day you see somebody like you did that steps out on the street and say, huh, I think I'm going to start a public transportation service. <laughs> I mean, how did, you get, how did you get that interest in starting your own shuttle service? Yes. Yeah, so um, it, it was organic, to be quite honest with you. Um, I, I had after uh, 
being released. I, I worked my way up from a cleaning toilets to eventually becoming a, a general manager of a hotel. It was probably a, a six-year ordeal in the growth trajectory. But then at that point, I used my network. Um, I was I was I was privy to things that were coming. And for us, we had a casino being built. Um, this was before rideshare, so we all talked about how bad the taxi systems were for our guests. And so, um, utilizing my network, I just asked, hey, if I started this company, would you use me? And they said, hey, you can't be too much worse than the taxi cabs, and we know you, so why not? <laughs> and so, uh, so that was the gateway into uh, transportation. I formed Tech Valley Shuttle in, in 2016, um, and our whole premise was to partner with hotels at that point, to be a hotel-based uh, transportation company. Uh, one of my mentors always used to say, the uh, riches are in the niches, and so I figured I, I found a little niche, and I wanted to run with it. Um, but I would say in wanting to be a master of my craft, um, you know, still to this day, I take 15 minutes each day to just learn about transportation. And in doing so, I started to sit on transportation committees, starting to really want to indulge myself in that space. And in 2018, I received the poverty report in the capital region. And it was the first time for me that I had the light bulb moment that said, hey, poverty and transportation they go hand in hand in a lot of ways. And a lot of the issues with uh, employees being able to get to work, access to employment, all come down to transportation. And so, um, you know, and so from that moment on, I said, hey, maybe we could put a dent into that. And that's when we started to pivot and we really rebranded and recreated ourselves uh, to be a community-based transportation supplier, which today our whole mission is to combat poverty through transportation solutions. And everyone talks about the problems. Well, we want to be focused on what are the solutions to the problems. And so um, now... You know, we do services that aid access to employment by getting individuals to and from work every day by partnering with their employers. Um, we do services that address food insecurities where we uh, we partner with some organizations, nonprofits, some counties, and we actually get individuals who live in food deserts access to food or we take them to healthy food options. Um, we address the school to prison pipeline in which we take youth from the inner cities, um, from rural areas, and we get them into schools that have higher graduation rates like charter schools and private schools, um, as well as uh, trying to reduce recidivism, as we talk, talked about. And so four times a year, we do free community prison shuttles where we bring individuals from the community to a different prison hub. Um, and we just bring them there completely for free because studies show with each visit someone incarcerated gets, it, re it reduces their rate of return to prison. And so um, we, we're the, the majority of the services we provide to, to this day and at this point are all around reducing uh, poverty in some way, shape, or form. We also help uh, with homeless. Uh, in the winter months, there's something called Cold Blue Albany, where we partnered with Haddis in the past, and we brought individuals, homeless individuals, to warm, uh, safe places when they, when it's too cold to be outside. And so we're community, we're 100% community-based when it comes to those things, and we're just trying to do our little part in helping to reduce poverty. My guest is Trent Griffin-Broff. He's the CEO and founder of Tech Valley Shuttle. We're talking about his take on public transportation. In your Yelp business profile, Trent, where, where you average four-star reviews, you, you describe your business as a community-based transportation provider, as you said, whose mission mm -hmm. is to combat poverty through transportation. We provide transportation solutions services to aid those living in poverty-stricken and or rural areas. 
Now, how you were you were talking a little bit about that, but specifically for those people living in poverty, are you helping them out by giving them access to transportation, or is it a a also cost a lower cost for transportation, or or a mix of both? I would say it's a mix of both, but for the majority of what we do, we tend to partner and try to make the service free for the customer. Um, so let it be our partnerships with nonprofits who might have gone after some grant monies to uh, be able to pay for a service. Um, let it be an employer um, or a state entity. Um, we typically try to go with those sort of partnerships so then we can offer the service for free um, or or really for free, not even so much for reduced pricing, for free for the customer. So obviously it costs you to buy gasoline. It costs you to hire drivers. It costs you uh, somebody mm-hmm. to maintain your vehicles. And so mm-hmm. there has to be some money coming in. So where are you getting that money? Well, that's when we get paid by the counties. That's when we get paid by the states. Um, that's when we get paid by the employers. Um, so typically, uh, the, the, the money comes back in other ways from the nonprofit organizations, et cetera. That's typically where the majority of the funding, that is where the funding comes for, for these sorts of services. Um, and then also we still do do private transportation just in general. So we're still doing weddings. We're still doing, uh, sports outings or just general outing airport shuttles. Um, to which case that's when our customers tend to pay for the services themselves. So it's definitely a mixture of partnerships, uh, with community based counties, as well as, uh, nonprofits and employers, as well as, uh, the the B to B as well as the C to C side B to C side where we go directly to our customer and, and as you mentioned just a minute ago you do offer those services like food desert shuttles and, and medical shuttles complimentary community correctional facility shuttles and, and, and these commuter and workforce shuttles to get people to and from work as they need it but how do you price those you say that you you want those to be as free as possible to the riders but how do you Mm -hmm. price those for the businesses that are sending you money compared to your as you said wedding shuttles or the airport shuttle the sports concert shuttles where presumably those people obviously have money to do those entertainment events and so how do you how do you change the how do you uh, uh price the services between what what the what the paying people's uh, uh, go to and what, what they're paying versus what you charge the uh, the companies that that need those workers and need those people to get around um so when we price it out we just use a, a basic pricing calculator that we've we've uh, been able to create um which helps us do so the big difference is oftentimes um if it's a root it's a re- reoccurring service naturally we would uh we would price it accordingly, given those 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 sort of services, um, some reduced pricings because of the volume in the service in comparison to a one-off where it might be just a wedding, um, which we wouldn't then include a, a cheaper price point because it's not reoccurring. And so um, so we definitely keep that front of mind. Um, we understand that, you know, it's all about the bottom line in business to be able to continue to stay in business. So we have to be able to uh, turn a profit in what we're doing. Um, But we also identify that it is possible to turn a profit and give back at the same time. And we're a great reflection of that. 
Right, because I, I looked on your website and I did not see any prices. You have to uh, ask for a quote for whatever your service is. I, I, I tend to like to know what the prices are, at least a ballpark figure when I'm looking at a website. So why do it that way and not do it where you can actually see a little bit of what the pricing is? Well, it would be hard to because let's say if you were saying, hey, I'm I'm getting picked up in this location and I want to go to that location and it's a hundred miles and the vehicle type is a 20 passenger vehicle. Um, and the time of day is three in the morning. That would look a lot different than our customer who's saying they only want to go five miles and it's one customer in a one in a, in a, in a sedan size vehicle at three o'clock in the afternoon. So we have to equate for all of those difference, those differences uh, when coming up with our price, when we when we calculate our pricing, and so we couldn't just do a, a a cookie cutter approach in terms of saying it's just this price point. Plus, we like to assure that we're able to give our customers the very best service possible. So, um, we like to engage with our customers as mo as more as possible. And one thing that uh, from a customer service aspect, uh, one of our our core values is customer obsession. And so, I always talk to the team of the importance of communication. And so we want to talk to you. We want to hear what you got going on, because honestly, we might be able to help you problem solve it a little bit better than you might be able to do yourself, because this is the industry we're in and we know what it looks like. And so oftentimes we rather have the dialogue because we find that in doing so, the customer is like, hey, I'm so happy that you were able to help me with this. I was thinking I should do it like this. But after talking with you, that makes way more sense. And so um, so also customer service. And it allows us to be able to engage with our customers instead of just, uh, you know, AI generated responses. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. My guest is Trent Griffin Broff. He's the CEO and founder of Tech Valley Shuttle. We're talking about his take on public transportation, all those, the services that he that he offers. You also say that your transportation service was established with a dream to become the best transportation option in upstate New York, setting out sure. to achieve this by offering your clientele the most luxurious, reliable, and safe rides around town, but but for the fraction of the, uh, of the price of our competitors. So uh, how are you able to do that? How do you keep your prices lower than everyone else as you are uh, dealing, as we said earlier, dealing with high labor costs and maintenance and, and fuel costs and, and also trying to keep a profit and then also deal with people who typically aren't able to pay as much for a ride as, as others? And I think because our mission has kind of changed over the years, even hearing, hearing that, that, uh, that finding, um, I think we've evolved. And so um, at one point, that was the goal to have the, mo the nicest vehicles and to do this and that uh, luxurious experience. But we realized that's actually not necessarily our role there are other organizations out here that do that at a really good job of doing it and so what we now try to do is be the more economic option all the way around as well as but most importantly and what we lead with is the community aspect and so we find that the majority a lot of our customers they actually rather do business with us because they know of all of the good that we do in the community and they know that when they book with us their money is also being poured right back into the communities of which they come from. Do you consider yourself uh, public transportation or just a car and shuttle service like uh, Super Shuttle or any other of the <laughs> town? <laughs> yeah, any of those other services in any town around the country? Um, That's a great question. I think I would consider us 
uh, in betweeny. Uh, I think we're because <laughs> <laughs> we're not necessarily public transportation um, because you know we, we just don't have that authority. Um, but what we do do is we aid public transportation. We're a resource. We've partnered with our pub our local public transportation company in the past, um, and so I think we're in between because we still offer general private transportation but in a lot of ways the things we do affect the pub the general public when it comes to transportation here in the capital region and so i would say we're in between yeah okay i that, that makes total sense because you do take uh public money or, or you know at least money from these other companies that are helping you out uh, I, I guess in a, in a way and, and in the pitch to me to talk to you i, I was told that you believe that public transportation does need help that it, that it's failing in, in what other ways do you think that the overall public transportation system is failing? Well, I think it's failing because the way it was set up, it's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. And so if we were to peel back some of the layers a little bit and go back to when I first had that aha moment, yeah. the aha moment for me was identifying poverty and, and transportation go hand in hand. As you start to kind of think about it, we've all heard of redlining. Um, and, and the effects of redlining. Public transportation was set up to support redlining and some of those other things. And so because of the way public transportation was set up initially, it's working exactly how it's supposed to. However, as we've evolved as a community, as we evolved as a as a country, we now are seeing like, you know, we some of those practices just aren't the best practices for our country's sustained growth. And so um, and so I think it's working to a fault, but it just it's the fact of how it was originally set up. And so um, and, and so for me, I think it's time to revision how public transportation looks. And that's why I'm a huge fan and component of public and in the private sector needing to be able to work together, just like we see in many other industries across every other industry, when those two sectors do work together, a lot more gets accomplished. And then when you talk about driver shortages that are taking place in the country, when you talk about how um, how things, how now uh, downtowns are being revitalized and public transport and how and, and people are not necessarily just in the urban areas or in, or in the suburban areas, like the whole makeup of the land is evolving right in front of us. And so with that being said, it's kind of silly to think that the old way of big buses going down these these same routes all of the time are the wave of the future when we've seen how Uber and Lyft has disturbed the industry and how people have become accustomed to utilizing technology and how ridership now may 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 not need that big bus anymore. Maybe it's time for smaller vehicles, sprinter vans and vans that are more agile and can maybe not operate on a standard bus line, but create micro transit pickup and, and drop off locations. So I believe in my heart that public transportation is working how it's supposed to work. The problem is it was set up in a way that is no longer efficient or in the best interest of the country overall sustained growth. And some of the neighborhoods that those old school uh, system routes service have changed as well because you have these major roads where there are just stops at several blocks apart. And, and that hasn't changed, even though some of the neighborhoods have changed. And like you say, maybe public transit needs to be more like what your company does, micro transit options instead of the large buses and the longer routes, smaller vehicles, shorter routes, more service. 
I agree. I agree. And I think or 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 if they want to continue with the way it is, that's when you start to partner with smaller organizations like myself who can then go and be a resource for these bus lines that they can help create new bus lines by doing true data, getting capturing true data and starting line starting transportation lines in areas that they didn't do previously, but to be able to show that no, this can be supported by this. And so um so I just I just believe that you have a lot of smaller businesses and transportation who can be a resource to the overall uh benefit of public transportation and i believe in my heart as we continue to evolve as a country um and if we're looking for sustainable change transportation should be one of the things that are at the top of that list because transportation is a is effectively people's freedom in a lot of ways and um and so when you don't have transportation it restricts what you're able to and can't do and so the more robust and the better of a transportation we could build for individuals in places like upstate new york just like in new york city um in bigger areas the more access that people will have and we know access and opportunity are really the two things that most people just need you, you mentioned the different kinds of public transportation available down there in New York City. You don't have mm-hmm. all those options up there at Albany, up in upstate New York. You're probably not going to build a subway system. You probably aren't going to build trains. So like you said, right. it, there, there are limited options to get to get around. Correct. Very limited. And I mean, it, it, it's uh, it's really tough for individuals who live in um, in in either uh, really rural areas, that's what you see a lot in the capital region and greater capital region, a lot of rural areas. And oftentimes those are the individuals who uh, tend to have it the worst from the lack of public transportation in areas like us. And so um, we're always just, you know, so I think that's one huge uh, barrier that exists that I've seen locally. And then even in the inner cities, Sometimes it's tougher because the bus schedule doesn't necessarily operate 24 hours a day or they don't necessarily align with your particular work needs. And so for individuals who work overnight shifts, um, there's some restrictions as to where where they could actually work if they are relying upon public transportation alone. Who who should pay for all of this? Because here in Denver, and I think it's like this in most metro areas around the country, the taxpayers cover 75 to 80 percent of the cost of the public transit overall, while riders are covering the the rest, around 20 percent or so, maybe 15 percent. Mm-hmm. But, but in the last two months here in Denver, we've had free fares, so it's all tax money. There's a lot of uh, public transit uh, areas in uh, the country that are trying to do away with any money that has to go at the fare box and make it all free for the ridership. Is that the way to pay for this? Just give the taxpayer money uh, to these smaller companies like yours to partner in in a line with or almost in place of what the current uh, transportation systems are right now? I think that's one way. I think I could I could definitely see that. But I think our model our model actually is working a little bit better because in terms of not having a a, a, a hopefully being able to help a little bit more money stay in the taxpayers' pockets. Um, you know, we, we're, we're all taxpayers and we all know the effects of paying those taxes. And, and, uh, and oftentimes, you know, the, the ask is, Hey, where's my tax paying money going to, right, when, right. you know? And so, uh, 
I think in this instance, with how we operate, it would actually help to keep some of the taxpayers money in the taxpayers pockets because our setup is we partner with organizations who pay for it. Um, we 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 partner with nonprofits. So the majority of the monies that 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 we get are actually coming from the government or coming from the private sector instead of us having to uh, necessarily you know continue to to tax the taxpayer for the same sorts of things. Do you think that the public transportation system then, let's say the public authority there in the Albany area or New York City or, or you know, uh, SEPTA down there in Philadelphia, should, should they pick a couple of companies? Should they, private companies, should they just open it up to, let's say we want to partner with a hundred different companies like yours and then be able to move people around? Is, is it something that they should partner with a few to keep it uh, more manageable or partner with all of them just so we can get people where they need to go? I think they should partner with a few. I think a couple of things. Still, you want to make sure that you vet out who you're working with um, because, you know, people are relying on these services. And so you want you want organizations that are reliable, um, that have a history of safety, um, because, you know, in these partnerships, the the both both parties, but more so the larger party is putting their neck on the line. And so I think they still have to do their due diligence to assure that they're partnering with the right partners. Also, I think that it, it wouldn't work if it was for every if 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 every every transportation partner couldn't look wouldn't work necessarily. And I say that because for what we do, um, you know, our ability to help the homeless, to help individuals uh recovering from addiction, um, et cetera. Every organization, some organizations, that's not their core customer and it's not in alignment with what their mission is and their values are. So I just think in order for it to really work, um, it, it has to be it should be in partnership with organization that is in alignment, that that is community based. Um, and if it's not if that's not the case, this might not be the right partnership because they might not be equipped to handle the customer in the same regards. Additionally, maybe they have these super luxurious vehicles that they paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for, and maybe they don't want to uh, have certain clientele in those vehicle base, and they have every right for that. And so I, I, I don't think I don't think this is for everybody. I don't think this is for every every transportation provider. But I think for those transportation providers that are looking to be a resource for the community, this is a great, a viable option. And I think there should be more interest in getting into this space. Uh, in terms of transportation, a lot of people have gotten into trucking, logistics, um, even rideshare um, for themselves. But this is an opportunity to provide some true impact into your own neighborhood, as well as to, to provide true impact for others who are lacking transportation. And so um, for any transportation providers that are out there listening, I think this could be a great opportunity to pivot into, into a different space. But I, I, but in answer to your first question, it's not for everybody. And I believe that both parties, just like in any partnership, should vet each other out to assure that it's a good, long-lasting, sustainable relationship. My guest is Trent Griffin Broff. He's the CEO and founder of Tech Valley Shuttle up there in upstate New York, talking about his take on 
public transportation, when we talk about public versus private, and you're a perfect example of this, whenever I've written on public transportation paid for by the public, you find the buses aren't well cleaned, they're not well maintained, it's really bumpy, It's you know, the people are writing graffiti on it, it doesn't feel very safe at, at times, but private, it does. It's typically, and it doesn't matter if it's, if, if it's a park or it's a house, it's a business, it's a whatever. When you have public versus private, the private is typically cleaner and nicer and better because somebody owns it and has a stake in, in what's going on. So true. So true. Couldn't agree more. Do, do you think that the current model of public transportation can succeed on its own without making changes? Um, do I think it can succeed on its own without making changes? Not without making changes. And even if the change that I uh, suggest isn't the right change for for the for how it works, because again, I I've never been the the transportation authority, the MTAs of the world. Um, and so I don't know what restrictions they have, or you know, I don't even know what data they have that support some of the decisions they make. So I, I couldn't say that it would be right or wrong based upon not having all of the information. But I do believe that if kept as is, um, then yeah, we have a problem. And so there should be some sort of change um, because the world has changes. The world isn't the same as when public transportation was first introduced. And um, we've evolved a lot. And so with that evolution, all industries have either had to continue to evolve or they're like dinosaurs and we know what happened to them. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They're, they're fueling up your vans. Right. There it is. (laughs) There it is. Uh, I was talking to somebody at the station about that. I was going to be doing this interview with you and, and they, they wanted me to ask you this question. Is it fair for people who don't use public transportation to pay for the people who do? Mm, mm. is it fair is it fair i don't know if it's fair i'll say that um there's a lot of things we pay for as taxpayers that we don't all use um and so is it fair I, i really couldn't say um what i could say is if you care about the next person um if you care about your community um then you know then there should be there should be some pooling that takes place for all of us, right. To, to make it better. Um, I think there maybe if there was more transparency where we could see exactly where each of our dollars went to, that would, that would help. I think that would help people understand where it's going. I think people, we should know where our tax dollars are going. There should be full transparency in those things. Um, but is it fair? That's a tough question because, um, there's a lot of things in life that just isn't fair and we have to deal with. And, but for this particular one, especially when it's an issue bigger than ourselves, I hate to say, no, you shouldn't have to. Um, is it your responsibility? Maybe not. Um, but at the end of the day, we've all in our lives had highs and we all had lows. And I, I, I believe that we've all once needed a leg up or needed some help in a situation. And so if we're helping the next person get their leg up so they can get back on their feet and continue to thrive, then, um, then I guess that's more of an internal question for to ask: Is it fair? And and what parent hasn't told their their son or daughter, uh, "Life's not fair"? 
There it is. There it is. There it is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Do you think public transportation should be free for all riders or should people, yeah. even on the low income of the scale, have some skin in the game? I think it should be free. I, that that's one thing where I do think I think public transportation should be free um, when they're doing public trans, transit routes. Now, some of these public transportation companies I'm seeing are starting to venture into some other services where they're doing like employment transportation, school transportation, things of that nature. Um, when they're doing those sorts of things, then maybe it shouldn't be free or maybe the employer should be paying for it or the school district should be paying for it. Um, but I would love to see public transportation be free. That would really help individuals out big time. Um it would reduce the carbon footprint because I think more people would actually take the transportation. And I think it would remove some of the stigmas behind it because a lot of people, uh, after, after a lot of people who are affluent, uh, they might look down upon taking public transportation. But I think if it was an even playing field, that might change the whole stigma or bias behind public transportation. And you might actually see it. I think you would see a, a huge increase in usage um, a decrease in the in the carbon footprint that we see. Um, so it could be a win-win all the way around. And, and there's no doubt if you've ever been in a nice Sprinter van, it is a lot nicer than just the regular old city bus. So true. So true. I agree. I agree. And maybe a way to fund companies like yours and, and others is in grants. And I, as I understand it, you're up for a grant from Beyonce. Tell me more about how that opportunity came out. Well, I didn't. I wasn't one of the recipients of the oh, okay. grant, unfortunately. But I was invited to uh, to a a luncheon um, that she's doing to, in ten of her larger cities, fo and following her Renaissance tour. And so she picks a uh, hundred entrepreneurs, I believe it is, for uh, each of these ten cities, and it's a a luncheon where they have special guests, they bring in some resources to help minority business owners. Um, and then they also do these uh, $100,000 in giveaways for uh, grants. Um, I wasn't one of the, the those selected, um, but I, I was able to attend. It was a great opportunity to network as well as to get introduced to some resources like Goldman Sachs, um, uh, American Express, I think it was. Um, maybe it wasn't American Express, but definitely Goldman Sachs and some and some other organizations like that um, that could be pivotal for uh, a, a small business like ours. And so it was an amazing opportunity. I, I just felt humbled to be one of, you know, a select few um, and to be able to have that opportunity was was a was a one I'll I'll never forget. My guest is Trent Griffin Broff. He's a CEO and founder of Tech Valley Shuttle in upstate New York, talking about his take on public transportation. The, the name Tech Valley Shuttle, didn't that come from the, the name of Eastern New York? I think it's that name of the Eastern New York region, right? That's correct. I was looking for a name that we could continue to evolve and, and grow into. Um, I wanted it to kind of reflect uh, who, who we were as, a, as an area, as a demographic. Um, and it just sounded like, sounded kind of cool, Tech Valley. Right. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> But did you have any other names that you considered? Something else that was, you know, just like Trent Shuttle? Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you did. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Did I have anything like that? Uh, 
I think we might have, I, I think maybe I was thinking and I played around with like some generic like hotel, hotel shuttle or, you know, cause that was real. Oh, the hot. So, so the name legally was Tech Valley Hospitality Shuttle. Um, and the hospitality was for the uh, hotel aspect of it. Um, but I did play around with, with the hospitality shuttle just in general. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I'm happy I had the foresight that I didn't want to pigeonhole myself, even though that was the niche that we wanted to address. I didn't want to pigeonhole myself to just that, just in case there were opportunities to advance and expand it. And so um, so I'm pretty sure Hospitality Shuttle was the, the runner up. Um, but we then landed on Tech Valley shuttle instead. Well, maybe that can be the name of uh, your shuttle service in New York City. So, uh, I mean, really, do you have any plans? You talk about expanding. Do you, do you yes. have plans on expanding past the Tech Valley of New York, maybe taking your company to New York City? A hundred percent. So we're actively uh, exploring opportunities to explore down to the New York City. We're in talks with, um, we literally, I was reading an email earlier today um, in response to potentially partner with the organization in New York to do uh, transportation of the homeless every night. Um, we are exploring opportunities in Syracuse and Buffalo. Um, and so our expansion goal is to be in a new new market next year um i'm thinking buffalo that's kind of where we're leading it seems like all roads are leading to buffalo right now in terms of some of our talks um and then eventually the goal though is to either be able to franchise um in which case then we can help other people who are looking to get in the business um potentially start a tech valley shuttle right in their own neighborhood um and be a resource to their community um because we do we do believe just like public transportation is something utilized all across the country, we can be something that is utilized all across the country because poverty and transportation go hand in hand in, in all markets. But do you think your model would work in the largest of cities, New York, Philadelphia, that sort of thing, Boston, or, or maybe um, only in the smaller or medium sized yeah. cities? I think it's twofold. I think our, our, I think our the way we're made up, we could work in larger cities that don't have as robust transportation um, as like a New York City, which has one of the best. Um, but for the most part, where our, our true value is going to lie is in smaller, smaller markets where their transportation, their public transportation system isn't as strong. And so that's really where our, our true value is going to lie in today's market. Well, I'm telling you, it's. Uh, it, I wish you all the best. I, I also was reading a uh, interesting story about you, and I'll put a link uh, in the description of this show uh, for this article that was in the Albany Business Journal. It describes very nicely all that you have done for other people who are are looking to rebuild their lives in your community after they've been in jail. Uh, all the things that you've done to hire them, and and um, and really all the, all your work that you've done for your community. It really is. It, it's a nice piece that they put together. Thank you. That's part of the roadmap to success. And so that's the B part of Tech Valley Shuttle. We do transportation and we were combating poverty that way. But the B side is we're people first. And so me being someone who was formerly incarcerated um, and identifying that over 80 percent of my team was has been justice impacted in some way, shape or form. Um, it was important for me to be able to help people 
be successful in the workplace as well as through entrepreneurship. And so I'm actually uh, I'm I'm finalizing the details of a pilot program with the New York State Docs at this time, um, in which case we'll be doing the whole roadmap to success with returning citizens who will be uh, being released within six months period. Um, and we're going to be we're doing real, real 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 detailed thought-provoking uh lessons around mission statements around values um this this program identifies and helps people so they can become the ceo of their lives utilizing systems that ceos have do to build thriving businesses um because i'm a huge component that systems are what allow things to continue to grow and be better and i, I believe through my system through my program, we could help individuals create systems, and that's going to be great for their long-term uh, sustained growth. And um, and so that's we're, we're we're kicking that off, I believe, in October. Um, and I'm really excited for that. The, I'm also working with a lot of employers on how to become employers of choice for for this population. Um, being that we've been able to be the first place in the capital region, be named best places to work. Um, you know, leaders of diversity, equity, inclusion for the way we hire and our training habits. And so now I'm trying to be a resource to my peers in the in the business world, uh, as many of them struggle to find employees and being able to say, hey, I'm work I've worked with these individuals. These individuals have gone through my program. They understand what it takes to be successful in the workplace. And for me, it's important to pair them with a workplace that is also is going to be empowering and allow them to grow and thrive. Because I think all too many times you see individuals just take a job to take a job, say, hey, I just need this job because of parole or, hey, I just need this job because I need a job. Well, that's not the, the right approach for long term success. You might just need a job to need a job. And as long as there's a plan on how you continue to grow, that's great. But for individuals who might have committed crimes in the past, um, if you don't have a long term goal and if this is just a job and not a career path, there's a higher likelihood that you'll return to prison. And so I'm trying to help reduce that rate by showing people how to be successful in the space and pairing them with organizations that will allow them to be successful in their space. Because a driving job turns into a career, especially if you can uh, stick with it. And, and there are a lot of opportunities to turn a driving job into a career. I agree. I agree. And, and and for me, it's not even just about the driving. The driving is just a small part. We've helped a lot of people, um, you know, get their commercial driver's license who've come in entry level. Yeah. But to me, the real thought is how can we help get you into a C-suite position? How can we help get you into a leadership position? Because now you have a that's a career. That's when you know you got something that uh, you can continue to climb the ladder and also that tells me that you're using that thing on top of your head if you got into roles like that. And when you're using that thing on top of your head, uh, that's when you tapped into your true potential. Yep. And so um, I'm trying to help individuals utilize that more than anything else instead of just being about the grunt work more. So how do we use this thing on top of our head? That's because that's what's going to really help us go further and further in life. And Trent, the best way for somebody, if they're interested in contacting you, the best way to do that is on your website. Yes, yeah, so they could visit. My, I try to keep it simple. So my name isn't that simple. It's Trent Griffin Broth. That's T R E N T 
G-R-I-F-F-I-N-B-R-A-A-F, as in Frank. And you can literally put that in. That's my website, TrentGriffinBroth.com. That's my name on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. It's just my name. I keep it simple. Um, but if you if you if you sought me out, there uh there's a lot of information about me, and you could definitely contact me that way. And I'll put a link to your website, techvalleyshuttle.com, in the description of this show, as well as uh, your link to your Twitter feed, which is Tech Valley Shuttle, that I see a couple of posts now and then. So, hey, Trent, thanks so much for your uh, for your time and your um, expertise. I really appreciate fun conversation. This, this was great. I really, really, really appreciate it. And keep driving people crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I have for a lot of years, and my wife will say I've been doing it to her for 25 years. So <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Trent, thanks again. Thank you, and you have a great day. Again, all the contact info for Trent and Tech Valley Shuttle is in the description of this show. I, I do think this is a model of the future of smaller market, mid-market, uh, when, when I say market, I'm, I'm t- I, of course I'm talking TV in lingo, but I shouldn't, uh, a small size to medium-sized cities, uh, maybe not huge, metropolitan, uh, you know, let's say uh, Philadelphia, uh, Boston, uh, New York City, uh, Los Angeles, I mean, some of the bigger, Houston, you know, maybe some of the big, maybe it's, Maybe it is. Uh, maybe they can uh, do this kind of micro transit deal. Um, but what I was really thinking about during that discussion were my rides on the um, air quotes here bus uh, in places uh, in the Caribbean, like Jamaica and Grand Cayman, where the public bus is really just uh, a seven passenger van. Uh, se- really, like six, seven seats at the most. They would stop at a designated place. Uh, and you would get in, toss the driver your fare, uh, usually just a couple bucks, and then you'd be on your way. It was a lot faster. It was not a lot cleaner, but it was more efficient. And it, it, I guess you just have to figure, uh, you have to decide what you want most in your public transit. It's funny because <laughs> I heard that from uh, an economist one time. It says, don't tell me what you want. Tell me what what you want more. And 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 that's that's similar in this situation. So do, do you want it more efficient, faster, cleaner? I mean, what do you want? Do you want all of it or <laughs> what do you want more? Um, it, it, you know what? You would just talk to the driver about where, where you would want to stop and they'd let you out. Even if it wasn't like a designated stop, let you out nearby and, and then off you go and off the uh, van goes. Um, there wasn't a lot of room in the van. There were a couple of times where the van would come up and they'd fall and he'd, he'd, he'd wait for you, wait for the another, another one because another one would be along in a bit to pick you up there. Um, I, I still think there is a place for larger buses in in towns, but maybe more regional routes from small city hub to a larger metro hub in, in Metro Denver. And I'm sure it's the same way in, in just about any town. It could be the same in Miami or Tampa where you have a, a smaller community uh, here, like in Boulder, where you have a lot of people that want to travel to downtown Denver. So you would have those regional buses going from uh, one, you know, let's say over 10, 15, 20 miles uh, kind of a thing, or even or even farther. And then you would have these smaller micro vans or uh, sprinter vans, whatever, uh, and you would have that as your rest of the way transit. Um, you know, the sm- smaller vehicles are usually less expensive to operate and maintain and, and easier to find a driver to, to drive a sprinter van 
than you would be able to find a driver for a large regional bus. Because you, you have to have the special commercial driver's license for the larger bus. It's a lot easier to find somebody uh, who can just drive the Sprinter van and off you go. Um, so I think Trent is on the front edge of some change in transit here. We'll see how long it takes to, to change completely because uh, I think the current transit system and model will need to change to survive and, and, to, and to serve people the way they, they, the way they need to be served. Anyway, thanks again for listening. Thanks again for being here. And until next time, I'm Jason Luber, the traffic guy. Be safe and as always, happy motoring.